Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mark Levine. I'm your host, and this is the last podcast of 2021. Now, in addition to hosting this podcast, I'm also the owner or one of the owners of EBMG LLC, and we manage for the last 25 years co-op condo and rental buildings all throughout New York City. And it's my pleasure to be with you on this last episode of 2021. And what I wanted to do today, it's just me. I'm actually really happy because I have my actual recording studio set up instead of a Zoom setup for the first time in pre since pre-COVID, really. So this is exciting for me. Um, hopefully you notice a difference in the sound. But um, as we're getting to the end of the year, there's a few things that I wanted to bring up just to make sure that everybody is on the same page with timing and all that. Um, being we're at December, there's a few things that have to take place. Um, bed bugs reporting, if you're in a building or if you manage a building that's um, got a valid multiple dwelling registration and it's greater than three units, the city tells us that through HPD, we have to report bed bugs once a year between December 1st and December 31st. So make sure you do your bed bug registrations. Otherwise, you will also be in violation of that, and it will be a penalty. I'm assuming that in January, they're going to start going through the list. Um, Local Law 152 of 2016, we've done stuff, um, podcast episodes on that. I know I've done videos on that. But that's a gas testing, and that's every four years for every building in New York City that has a gas service, and you have areas where there's exposed gas piping. So 2021, which is outgoing, community board numbers 2, 5, 7, 13, and 18, doesn't matter the borough, it just matters the community board, those were set to file. And if you haven't done that yet, you're in luck. The city has extended it by six months. So by June, you have to have filed the 2021 gas inspection. And it's a sensor test. It's not a pressure test. So they're coming in with equipment and they're just monitoring for leaks in all exposed piping areas. If you don't have gas service and you're in one of those community boards, let's say you're an all-electric building or you have hot water heater, you don't have gas coming in, electric stoves, you still have to um, put in a notice from an, uh, a plumber noting that there's no gas service in the building and that you're not subject to filing that. 2022 is going to bring us the community board numbers 4, 6, 8, 9, and 16 to file. And it goes, as I said, it goes by community board, but if your building has multiple building identification numbers, what's called a bin number, you have to do one for each individual bin number. Um, so it could get costly. We, um, we put out portfolio pricing for all of these major laws, and we, we've got plumbers that we deal with as a portfolio-wide um, contract. So in the beginning of the year, what I'll do is I'll send out my entire list for that building and then I'll make sure that it goes through um, by the end of the year. The other thing coming up in 2022, we've got local law 11 cycle nine, but we've got sub cycle C starting. And if you've listened before and you know what local law 11 is, it's for those buildings that are greater than six stories where you're required every five years to do an inspection on the um, facade and you're your requirement in all buildings in New York City is to keep the building safe. Regardless of three stories, six stories, 15 stories, it doesn't matter. You always have to keep the facade safe and not a unsafe condition. But subcycle C is starting on February 21st, 2022, and it goes for two years until February 21st, 2024. So if you're in a subcycle C building, um, it's your time to shine. Now, how do you know if you're in a subcycle C building? The last digit of your block number is the important thing. So it's either one, two, or three. 
if your block number ends in a one, two, or three, then you are subject to subcycle C. Uh, subcycles A and B are already open. The closing out of subcycle A is also on February 21st, 2022, and they stagger by a year start each. So subcycle A started in 2020, subcycle B started in 2021, and subcycle C started in 2022. Now is the time. Um, we've run into a lot of issues with a lot of facade jobs based on COVID, and it's it's between the city agencies being a little slow, especially when they were slowing down because they were working from home. But it's also logistically um, having the materials in hand to do the work. Logistics is hitting every industry, and facade work is no different. So if you can get ahead of it and price out all of your work that's needed and try to get it going as quickly as possible, that's in your benefit. You know, as, as a manager of a lot of buildings that are local law 11, I'm looking at about 60 in my portfolio that are local law 11. It's, it could be daunting at times, but we track out every arc in a massive spreadsheet, every architect that was used for those buildings, how they filed, um, who they're using on the next cycle, how they're filing on this cycle. So really knowing what you're doing in terms of organization is going to be a good thing for you. Um, there's also a few things that we have to do in um, the end of the year that are important, or I would say the beginning of the year coming up in January, um, January 1st, last day to pay property taxes for the third quarter of the prior year. In January, also, we're sending out the window guards notice, lead-based paint notices, fire safety plans, the stove knob cover um, affidavits, and also... Um, internal internal ineligibility <laughs> I'm stuttering internal ineligibility memo for co-op abatement so those are all the things that we're looking at um, to make sure that we get all of our ducks in a row um, for all of our residents and for all of our buildings and we, we actually work with Jack Jaffa on all of the portfolio-wide notices that have to go out they track that and they send us all that information. So if you have more than a few buildings, it makes sense to maybe have somebody on the outside doing that for you. Um, also, in 2022, the difference is, um, is periodic inspections on your elevator testing. Now it's the responsibility. And we've done a, an episode, if you go back an episode or two of our podcast, we've talked about this, but I just wanted to bring it top of mind. Periodic inspections um, are now the responsibility of the building owners and it replaces the requirement um, for PVT inspections or violations issued by the city. Um, so New York City is now outsourcing periodic inspections by approved elevator agencies. Um, we have, as I said before, about portfolio pricing for gas. We also have portfolio pricing for um, elevator witnessing and inspections. So presumably that same company will be doing our periodic inspections, which have a change in time um, from inspections and sign-offs. Periodic inspections are now to be performed between January 1st and December 31st of each year at a minimum of three months from the date of any Category 1 test or previous periodic inspection. Initial periodic inspections on new installations must be performed in the calendar year following the final acceptance test. And the filing of the periodic inspections in DOB Now, which is the back-end database that all of the sign-offs for your elevator, your facade, your, it's 
the builds, safety, you know, and boilers, anything that you could think of that has to be signed off is now living in there. It has to be completed within 14 days of the date of inspection. All defects noted in such periodic inspection report must be corrected within 90 days after the date of inspection. An affirmation of correction shall be filed within 14 days after the date of correction. Um, also, Category 1 and 5. So every year we have a Category 1 test, which is performed by your elevator company and witnessed by an independent witness they can't self-certify. The, the timings have now changed and been shortened. The category inspection filings, the completed reports with all applicable signatures shall be filed within 21 days after the date of the test. Affirmation of cor corrections, all defects as found in such category test report shall be corrected within 90 days after the date of the test and affirmation of correction shall be filed within 14 days of the date of correction. For DOB now signatures, they only require four signatures, performing agency signatures, owner signature, and witnessing agency director signature. Um, I'm in DOB now every day. It's really important that somebody is monitoring that to see um, the pre-inspection, the affirmation of corrections, making sure that when they're uploaded, they are signed off as quickly as possible by all parties and then moved and paid and cleaned up. If you're just checking it once a month, you're going to run into large issues with all of these new um, requirements because it's not going to be enough time for everybody to stay in compliance. Um, so that's hitting the elevators. With regards to COVID-19, we've got a new law that came into effect on December 27th, 2021, so towards the end of the year, that said that all employees and public-facing employees, uh, as long as you have one employee or more, are required to have vaccination um, before coming back to work. If we, and I've gotten some pushback from certain, you know, uh, employees of certain buildings, but the requirement is the requirement. It's a city law and we have to post in a public space in each building. It's an affirmation of compliance with workplace vaccination requirements. And we have to put the name of the business. We have to put the street address. We have to sign it, date it, and any violation for not having that in hand and upfront somewhere that's public facing is a thousand dollar violation per instance. So it is something that's going to hit you in your checkbook and also possibly uh, medically speaking, we don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want anybody to um, be worse. And having the people that are working for the building vaccinated is super important and um, a real game changer in how we do that. And not only are we just required to post this, but we're we're required to um, keep a copy of the vaccination on file, keep it stored, keep it available. Um, so it's really important that if you own or operate any buildings that you have your staffs um, submitting that to you as well. Um, so those are the few things that came up. Also, um, if you've listened to the podcast before and, you know, Julie Schechter from Armstrong Teasdale has been on. She's done a great job in helping us out, um, and by helping us, I mean helping everybody that's listening on certain key moments of, um, you know, the state of what's going on in New York City real estate from a legal perspective. Um, the, tenant the Tenant Protection Act was something that was initiated, and it was really helping out rental building uh, occupants, tenants, but it wasn't a carve out at the beginning for co-ops where there's a landlord-tenant relationship through the proprietary lease. So the governor in um, on December 22nd enforced a law 
that modified the um, Housing T- uh, Tenant Protection Act to carve out for co-ops so that they would um, be allowed to um, collect security deposits or money in escrow. So let's say we have somebody purchasing in an apartment in a co-op and the shares and they're maybe financially on the fence, but the board is willing to say, okay, if you want to come in and put up a year's worth of maintenance in escrow, the tenant protection act, uh, disallowed that. They said, you can't do that for more than I believe it was a month of um, maintenance. So it really made a lot of boards uncomfortable that they wouldn't be able to collect the maintenance moving forward. If there was a negative financial position in the future with this applicant, now that's taken away. So now you can have no limitation on the amount held in escrow or the calculation of it. Um, other things are also, pr- there was a prohibition of fees at the beginning of a tenancy, except for a credit uh, or background check reimbursement of no more than $20. Now you can, and $20 for a background, a credit check, that's not enough. I mean, we're, if we're reimbursing $20 and it costs us 60 to $100, then that's something that we have to, you know, be out of pocket. So now that was waived. Now we can charge more than $20. Now we can charge the fees that come along with the um, sales and sublease applications. And as a third-party company that's handling those, that makes us better. Uh, It makes it a lot easier to spend the time working on that. And that's usually in our contract anyway that that would have that. Um, another provision that was changed is that, um, only rent may be sought in a summary proceeding. And also there was a secondary point of this that prohibited the collection of attorney's fees when there is a a default judgment in summary eviction proceeding. If a tenant or a shareholder was to be, um, late in maintenance, we weren't able to apply late charges, violations, or legal fees on the Uh, the housing court act Um, we would have to basically go to housing court for the maintenance and then separately we would have to go to small claims court for some of the other fees that were out there so now this enables the board to go and collect those things so that's really important too Um, those aren't all the you know the those are the main ones that i'm interested in and I'll, i'll put the body of the Housing Stability Tenant Protection Act provisions from uh, Armstrong Teasdale, which is where Julie Schechter is. I'll make sure that that's in my um, description of the podcast, and we'll make sure that you can see that, and if there's any contact information, I'll, I'll put that there. Um, but those are the few things that I wanted to focus on today um, before the end of the year. If you're listening to this at the beginning of the year just so that you know uh, everything that we are doing and making sure that you guys keep up to date and keep your apartment buildings validly registered, keep them up to date with codes, um, vaccination requirements, bed bug filings, and now you know about elevators and local law 11, all that good stuff. So wishing you a happy 2022. If you want to last time, email the show at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to um, call me directly, always feel free, 212-335-2723, extension 201. Again, 212-335-2723, extension 201. And I can't wait to pick it up in 2022 with some great guests and some more great information to cover the NYC real estate world. Until next time, have a great, happy new year.